James chapter 4. I'm not going to uh, preach long today. Someone said a good sermon need not be long and a bad sermon should not be long. So hopefully uh, we can just uh, get that accomplished today. James chapter 4, look with me at verse 13. It says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For what you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. I want to uh, speak to you today on that question that's contained in this text today. What is your life? You know, we are all here today because we have been given the gift of life. We're alive. Without the gift of life, we wouldn't be here. We're here because we're alive. And it's a fantastic gift. Our youngest daughter and son-in-law here about two months ago discovered that they were going to have a child. Now, they have two children, the youngest of which is nine. They're going to have another baby. So they go to the doctor for the first time. They come back to our house to give us the news, and they say to my wife and me, the babies are doing well. Identical twins. Friday, two days ago, they went in with the sonogram and determined the gender, or discovered the gender, I guess, of these two little blessings to be little girls. Now, their daughters, when they were going to have one baby, they thought, the two daughters they have rooted for a brother. But when they found out there were two, they said, the deal's off. We, we do not want two boys, too much. Give us girls. Everybody else thought it was going to be boys. But we got two more girls coming. So my daughter proceeds to show me this, these pictures, the sonogram pictures. Here are the eyes, here are the nose, here's this. I, I said, Emily, with all due respect, I don't see any of that. I, I, I know they're there. I mean, I know they're there. You know they're there. The doctor said they're there. I'm sure they're there. But I don't see a nose. I don't see an eye. I don't see a skull. I don't see anything. And then she showed me their little legs and the little feet, and I saw, I got that. So, in fact, she texted me that picture, so I have that on my phone, those little legs and those little arms. But I thought to myself, what an amazing gift the gift of life. God has given us the gift of life. In fact, we know that the gift of life comes from God. You say, how do we know that? Well, look at James chapter 1 and verse 17. 
In James 1.17, the Bible says, every good and every perfect gift is from where? Say it, from where? From above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God. Go back, if you would, to chapter 4. Life. Life. But what is life? Better yet, look at the question. What is your life? How do you explain it? How do you define it? The author and poet Carl Sandburg said, Life is like an onion. You peel it off one layer at a time and sometimes you weep. That's pretty good. Shakespeare called it a drama. All I can say is if the two little twins are anything like the two older sisters, there's going to be a lot of drama. (laughs) Because they're drama queens. Sir Walter Raleigh said it's a journey. Life is a journey. I like how an anonymous writer described it. He said, the trouble with life is by the time you know how to play the game, you're too old to make the team. Warren Wiersbe, the commentator, may have described it best when he said, apart from the will of God, life is a mystery. A mystery. But no matter your view of life, you must include God in your life. And that's what I want us to focus on today. You must include God in your life. And I want to suggest three reasons why you need to do that and why I need to do that. In fact, why all of us need to do that. Number one, it is because of the complexity of life. Life is complex. Look at verse 13 of our text. He says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, continue their year, buy and sell and get gain. Now, if you, if you dissect this one verse, James is visualizing people making plans. They involve a schedule, today or tomorrow. Location, such a city. Duration, they're going to continue their year. Activity, they're going to buy and sell. And profit, they're going to get gain. In many ways, it's a vivid picture of what we do each and every day. Our life is filled with with these kinds of things. All of us focus on tomorrow or maybe this afternoon. Maybe what we're going to do for dinner. That's a good thing. And and we have plans and we have agendas and and we have dreams and we have hopes and and, and, and there's things we have to do and steps we have to take and, 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 and it's all what he's describing here in verse 13. Life is complex. 
People today, I find, are, are hungering and longing for a simpler time. Let me make an announcement. That's not going to happen. Not in this world. Now, while this appears harmless, there's a, there's a problem. In fact, it's a big problem. If you just take verse 13... There's no reference to God. All of the plans, all of the schedules, all of the activities, everything they're going to do, etc., etc., there's no mention of God, and that is a disaster because God is the giver of life. And we cannot factor God out of our life. Life is too complex to make it on our own. In fact, quite frankly, I don't know how people make it without God in today's world. I don't know how they do it. It reminds me of of the parable of the rich man. You know the passage in Luke chapter 12. When in Luke chapter 12, the parable of the rich man, he was focusing on his possessions. And he left God out. Of all that he planned to do, going to gather these things and build barns and build bigger and on and on and on. But there's no place for God. And how many of us live life in this complex world with our plans and our agendas and our hopes and our dreams, and yet God isn't really involved unless maybe we count Sunday morning? Jesus, when referring to that rich man in Luke 12, He said about that man that he layeth up treasure for himself, but he's not rich toward God. What an indictment. What an indictment that we would just focus on ourselves, but but not be rich towards God, or not be concerned about God, not be focused on God, not, not, not be in touch with God. Making plans is not bad. Having a strategy for life is not wrong. But as we do that, in this complex world, we need God's perspective. We need God's wisdom. We need God's purpose. We need God's word. We need God's will. The word perspective suggests looking through a situation or seeing it clearly. Because according to the book of Isaiah, God's thoughts and God's God's ways are not our ways. (laughs) In fact, many times God's ways and our ways are so far apart it's unbelievable. People, People get their life in a mess and they wonder, how did they get here? They made decisions without God's perspective. And the way out is to make good decisions with God's perspective. We need a clear, godly perspective. God's perspective. Speaking of perspective, I read somewhat amusing story of a college female, who had two problems that were common to most college students. 
low grades and no money. So she was forced to communicate both of these problems to her parents, who she knew would have trouble understanding. So after considerable thought, she used a creative approach to soften the blows of reality. She wrote her parents this letter. She said, Dear Mom and Dad, just thought I'd drop you a note to clue you in on my plans. I have fallen in love with a guy named Jim. He quit high school after grade 11 to get married, but about a year ago he got a divorce. We've been going together for two months and plan to get married this fall. Until then, I've decided to move into his apartment because I think I might be expecting. At any rate, I dropped out of school last week, although I'd like to finish college sometime in the future. Right now, I'm under a lot of pressure, but the alcohol and marijuana seem to help. (laughs) On the next page, she wrote, Mom and Dad, I just want you to know that everything I've written so far is false. None of it is true. But Mom and Dad, it is true that I got a C in French, I flunked math, and I need money. (laughs) She was trying to change their perspective. So much in life depends on where you're coming from and where we need to be coming from is here as we connect with God through his son Jesus. That's the only way we can navigate through a turbulent world and a difficult life that is very complex. We need God because of the complexity of life. Secondly, we need God because of the uncertainty of life. Notice again in James chapter 4, verse 14. He says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? You know not what shall be on the morrow. Now the reality is all of us think we know what we're going to do tomorrow, and we think we know what's going to happen tomorrow, but the reality is we do not know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know that. We have no clue. Only God knows. Our plans can change that quickly. God can step into our life at any moment, at any time, and instantly changed direction. We had those two little drama queens over to our house the other night for their daddy's birthday. And, uh, you know, they're full of energy. They'd make a cup of coffee nervous. And, I mean, one of them took a dive, and she was headed right for the brick fireplace. She had the presence of mind to push herself off so she didn't hit her skull. But in the process of that, she landed on her wrist, and we thought she broke her wrist trip to the emergency room. At the end of the day, it wasn't broken, but she was in a little cast and her little wrap-up thing and a a sling that she had to wear for about a week. We didn't plan that. Nobody ever thought that that little birthday party was going to turn into a trip to the emergency room. Why? Life is uncertain. This, This phrase that you're reading, 
whereas you know what, not what shall be on the morrow, is really based on Proverbs 27 and verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It's an Old Testament truth. It's an Old Testament principle that is now being reiterated in the New Testament. If the complexity of life means we need God's perspective, then I promise you the uncertainty of life means we need God's presence. We may not know what tomorrow holds, but thank God as a believer in Jesus Christ, we know who holds tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. With all of life's uncertainties, why would we want to live without a healthy relationship with God through His Son, Jesus? Here are two wonderful thoughts. Thought number one. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you know that, if you're assured of that, if you're confident of that, if that's been a, a, a decision you've made at some point in your life, Jesus Christ is in your life. And as you're as sure for heaven as if you've been there 10,000 years, you can rest with confidence in this truth that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Regardless of what life holds, regardless of how complex it is, or regardless of how uncertain it is, you have that hope. You have that assurance. He'll never, ever leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, we ought to rejoice in that. But truth number two, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can meet him today. You can, you can know him today. You know, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Knowing Jesus Christ is not joining a church. People are so confused. They think, in order to get to heaven, I have to join the church. That's Joining the church is what's going to make me a Christian. Folks, joining a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going in a garage makes you an automobile. Well, I'll, I'll get baptized. That'll, that'll uh, make me have a right relationship with God. No, that's not it. Good works, no. The rosary, no. The list goes on and on. The only way you can establish a relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and, and it's so, just so abundantly simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Wow. For me, I was a little guy, eight years of age. That's it. Childlike faith. I didn't understand the book of Romans. I didn't know Genesis from Revelation. I didn't understand church doctrine. Here's what I knew. I was a sinner. I couldn't save myself. I needed God in my life. And Jesus was my only hope. For you see, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's it. But by me. The Bible says that all that turn to him, he'll in no wise cast out. 
Sometimes people say to me, Pastor Tony, perhaps to you, well, I'm not good enough. Oh, wait a minute. The Bible says that if you'll turn to Christ, he'll in no wise cast you out. It's not a matter of being good enough. We don't, we don't get to heaven because of our goodness. We get to heaven because of God's grace. That's why. While life may be uncertain, and life may be brief, I promise you one thing is certain. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And dear friend, today, if you do not know Jesus Christ, you can meet him today. You certainly can. You need a relationship with God. You need God in your life. I need God in my life because of the complexity of life, because of the uncertainty of life. But number three, because of the brevity of life. You see in James chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, what is your life? And here's the definition. Here's the explanation. From God's perspective, he says, it is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know, one of the repeated themes in Scripture is that life is brief. It's brief. Job said, my, my days are, are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Job said, our days upon the earth are as a shadow. It seems like yesterday our firstborn child went off to kindergarten. I can remember the day. We deposited her in school, and my wife was crying. She hadn't stopped. <laughs> Every day those kids went to school, the first day she wept. A lot of mothers wept for joy. She wept for, she didn't want them to go. And I thought, well, once the kids got out of school, she'd stop crying. Now she cries when the grandkids go to school. <laughs> She's a weeper. You've seen that commercial, the clapper, the lady. I say, Sharon, tears on. <laughs> tears off. So our little girl went off to school. She's 37. Her son's 14 almost, same age as yours. And I'm thinking to myself, where did life go? We just put her in kindergarten. She's married, she has kids, her boy's a teenager. What is happening to my life? It's brief. It's brief. That's why old Moses taught us to do this in Psalm 90 and verse 12. He said, you better number your days. Now that phrase may be a little confusing to you, but it really means this, use our days wisely. That's what it means. Because life is so brief. You see, in this verse, James compares life to a vapor. It's, it's like a morning fog that burns off pretty quickly. It's like a puff of smoke that's here and then gone. 
It's like steam from a, from a, a, a boiling kettle. It appears, and then it vanishes. That's life. And with every passing day, and with every passing week, and with every passing month, we're reminded of the brevity of life. I believe the psalmist David had this in mind when he wrote, My times are in thy hands. We can't control it. It's up to God. My times are in thy hands. Truly God is the giver of life. And as we ponder the brevity of life, we all have a choice to make. A decision. For you see, we can spend our lives, we can waste our lives, or we can invest our lives. Now, if we spend our lives, there's little return. If we waste our lives, there's no return. But if we invest our lives, there's great return. When we invest our lives in things that have eternal value, we'll experience God's joy, God's blessings, God's peace, and God's fulfillment. I've been praying a prayer, and here's the prayer. It's very simple. I've been praying, God, help me to see today the way I'll see 10 seconds after I get into heaven. I want that perspective. I want that vision. I don't want to wait until it's too late. I don't want to wait until I'm in heaven and I can't do anything about the days you've given to me and the life that you've given to me. God, somehow, help me to see now that which is important, that which is critical, that which is necessary, and help me then to act accordingly. Not to wait until I have no other opportunity. What is your life? It's complex. What is your life? It's uncertain. What is your life? It's brief. But friend, I want to tell you, it's also a gift from God. And God expects us to live it to the fullest. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Consider these insightful words written by an elderly woman. She said, when first I was dying to finish high school and start college, and then I was dying to finish college and start working, and then I was dying to marry and have children, then I was dying for my children to grow old enough so I could return to work, then I was dying to retire, and now I'm dying, and suddenly... I forgot to live. What a sad commentary. Folks, it really boils down to this. If God is not in your life, you can change that today through His Son. We can help you. It's not about joining this church. It's about receiving His Son, Jesus. You say, I've already made that decision. Then it's about the right priorities. So you make an investment while you have the time to do what God wants you to do before it's too late.